Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Everyone it said, Amen. Amen. It's so exciting that we have a full house in the room of 30 people plus our team. <laughs> it's, it's still not a full house in this morning as we're just enjoying worship. I, I was just so aware that I, I miss you guys at home. And, you know, it's great to have 30 people plus the team here in the room. And it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you can come along and be here with us. But, you know, what? as we worship together, there's something special about those moments when we are just worshipping and we can hear one another sing. Isn't, isn't that special? Amen. And we can't wait to have you, that's right, you guys at home, here with us on a Sunday morning again. Real soon we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's be praying. Let's not just say it. Let's be praying that we can gather together without restrictions in a, in a, in a quick and timely time. Timely time. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Thank you, Lord. I just want to say thank you so much for those that have been praying for us as a family. And, and uh, you know, it's only one Sunday that I haven't been here, but it feels like for ages. So for some of you that haven't been here for ages, really, I want to say welcome this morning. Actually, can we grab the lights in the room so I can see them better? <laughs> and for those of you at home that haven't been here for so long, um, can't wait to have you here with us. Praise God, we got our, our negative COVID test back, so we'll be able to do life again this week. And uh, it's inconvenient, isn't it? But uh, God is good. Um, we even were able to make a little bike track out the back of our house. It was only 50 or 60 metres, and we did hundreds of laps around this little course. Um, I think some people thought we'd gone insane, but um, it was good fun. This morning, the title of my message is God Can Use You. Turn to the person beside you, or if you're sitting at home, just point to yourself and say, God can use you. God can use you. Last week, we looked at the book of Ruth, and we're looking at the life of Naomi. And to be honest, we kind of stopped in the middle of the down. You know when you're watching a movie and you, you get to a point, but you realize you need to go to bed, so you turn it off, but you're kind of in that really down, depressing part? We were watching a movie about a magpie this week, and it, it, it was in the really down, sad point, but I'm like, I've just got to go to bed. Um, and last week, we, we kind of stopped in that place. I, I had two more points that I wanted to share, but I just realized there was too much to try and get through in one Sunday. So this morning, we're going to continue to look at the book of Ruth. And last week, uh, Naomi had journeyed from Bethlehem into Moab with her family, her husband and her sons had died, and then she goes back to Bethlehem. And Naomi felt like God had abandoned her. Naomi said that she went away full but came back feeling totally empty. She went through that Moab experience. But I think there's a truth for us to see in this that I want to look at this morning. I think as painful as it is, sometimes we need to be emptied before God can fill us. I know there's times in my life where it has been painful, I've, I feel like my life has been poured out, 
Like Paul says, his life was poured out like a drink offering. And maybe you're in that poured out state where you just feel totally empty like Naomi today. And it can be painful, it can be hard. But I want to suggest to you this morning that sometimes we need to go through the emptying for God to fill us again. I just want to pray before we read together. Well, God, I just pray for those who are feeling just so empty today. I pray, Lord God, for those who are feeling broken, that are feeling so painful today. God, I pray that you would just breathe into them by your Spirit. God, you would lift them up again. Lord, you would fill them up again. Lord, for those who are in their, on a different place today, that they're feeling blessed, they're feeling um, so grateful, God, for everything you've given them. I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to walk that journey with each other, to be able to rejoice with those who are rejoicing with, and to weep with those who are weeping. Lord, help us as your people to show the love of God to every person, no matter what phase, no matter what stage and, and things they are going through, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bible there, I hope you have. I want to encourage you to open up to Ruth chapter 2. And uh, if you're looking for Ruth, it's just after Joshua and Judges, just before Samuel and Kings and all those books. Ruth chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 1. It says, Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth the, the Moabite, do you hear that? One day Ruth the Moabite, very specific, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, hear that? As it happened, she found herself... I love the wording of this. She found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. When she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz, actually, I've just got to pause there for a second. I think the harvesters like their boss. I feel like they, they like their master, Boaz. Like, Boaz turns up, he's like, Oh, the Lord be with you guys. And they all turn around and say, The Lord bless you, mate. And so I just, I just get the feeling that there's a pretty good relationship here. God help us to be good bosses or good workers, whichever role we have. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. And if we look back at the Old Testament uh, scriptures and, and look at what God's command was to the people of Israel, he always said to, to not go back and collect the bits the harvesters had missed, but to leave them for those who are poor, the, the widowed um, and the foreigner. So this was an instruction God had actually given to his people to, to care for those people. And this is what Boaz and his harvesters are doing. Verse 8, it says, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. 
I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. When you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Did you hear that again? I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. You know, there are some who might, at first reading of the book of Ruth, wonder why it's in the Bible even. There's no explicit teaching about God in the book of Ruth. It talks about God and it talks about uh, the people of God, but it doesn't explicitly teach anything. But as we look more closely, as we reflect on what the words of the book of Ruth are saying, it is God's word to us and it, is, it gives life to us. And here we see, I was going to say the hero, kind of one of the heroes of the book of Ruth, uh, is Ruth. She's not even an Israelite. She's not one of them. She's a Moabite. She says, I'm a foreigner. And to say that Moabites and Israelites weren't the best of friends is probably an understatement. Um, in Judges chapter 3, it talks about how King Eglon of Moab uh, had come and conquered Israel and they, they, were, they ruled over them for 18 years. And then in, in uh, Kings, we read about how later on, the Israelites go and pretty much wipe out the whole nation of Moab. They're not the best of friends. At this particular point, there's a bit of a truce, there's a bit of a, a, a peace between them, but they're not great buddies. That it's kind of like, oh, let's just go to Moab for the weekend. Like She's like, I'm a foreigner, I'm from Moab. Do you realise that? And you're blessing me. And here we see that not only does God bless Ruth with provision, but he chooses her. He chooses to use her to become one of the ancestors of the promised Messiah, the Saviour of the world. We saw that in Matthew 1, verse 5 last week, where it mentions Ruth in the family tree, the genealogy. If you have ever felt like you are not good enough, you're not the right person, you're not, you're not part of the right family, you're not part of the right tribe, you're not the one that God could use, I want to tell you it is a lie. God can use you. I think it, it kind of brings up another question for me as we think about who God can use and that he can use anyone. It brings up the question for me, is who are the people of God? Romans chapter 9 talks about the children of God and it says that not all children of God are born into the family of Abraham. It says that it's the, the children of the promise that are the true, true children of Abraham. In other words, it's not just descendants of Abraham that inherit the promise that God gave to Abraham, but it's the children of the promise, those who come in faith that become a part of God's family, that they are his people, they are his I want to ask you this morning, are you a child of the promise? 
Are you a child of the promise? Are you one of God's children? Are you one of his people? In John chapter 8, we see Jesus speaking to these Jewish believers, these Jewish people who had claimed to be believers in Jesus. And at first, when we read these words, it can sound kind of harsh. It can sound very harsh. But let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 8 for a moment and see what Jesus says to these Jewish claiming to be believers. He says in verse 34 of John chapter 8, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room, hear that, there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were truly, if you were really children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. And Jesus told them, if God were, were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. So when I tell, you, tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. These people were true descendants of Abraham. They were part of the family line. They were born of a descendant of a descendant of a descendant of Abraham. These people knew their lineage and they were proud of it. But it says they had no room in their hearts for the message of God. And it says in verse 47, he says, Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. And church, I think we need to ask ourselves, am I a child of the promise? We need to ask ourselves, am I listening to God? Is my heart open to what God is saying? Am I listening? And when he says listening, we know that listening means hearing and responding and not just listening and walking away. Are we listening to God? Are we obeying his call for us? You know, I think Ruth could quite easily have felt like a second-class citizen in her time. She was a Moabite living in the land of Israel her husband was dead and she had no children. And in the natural, I think she could have felt ashamed. She could have felt afraid and she could have felt hopeless. 
It's interesting if you look again at John chapter 8, if you go on to John chapter 9, it talks, oh, first the people get angry and angry with what he's saying and they start getting ready to throw rocks at him and then he slips away as he manages to do. And then in John chapter 9 we see that there's a, a man who's been born blind and the, the disciples say to him, whose sin caused his blindness? Is it, was it his parents' sin or is, he, is, it, is it his own sin? And Jesus says, no, it wasn't because of his sin. This has happened that the glory could be given to God. And I just think of Ruth, and I think in, in that time, in that season, to, to be a, a Moabite, to be a widow, to have no children was potentially a shameful thing in her society. She may have been tempted to feel ashamed, afraid, and hopeless, but God had a plan. And as we see, she chooses to go with Naomi. And she says, your God will be my God. And she vows, may God punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Ruth may not have been a physical descendant of Abraham, but she had determined in her heart. She had decided that she would be faithful. She had decided that she would honour her mother-in-law. And I just wonder if in the time that she was married to her husband, this um, Jewish man, that he may have taught her the, the, the Scriptures. He may have taught her the, the Ten Commandments and, and the command to honour your mother and father. And now as, as Ruth goes back with Naomi to Bethlehem, she says, I, I'm vowing, I'm promising that I will not let anything but death separate us. I just wonder if she's just saying, I'm going to honour God's Word. I'm going to honour my mother-in-law. And to live sacrificially. And Jess has already shared with us this morning that we are called to be followers of Christ. And that means to lay down our life. To be a follower of Christ is to live a sacrificial life. I want to ask you again this morning, are you living as a true child of the promise? Are you living a life of faith? Are you living a life of listening to the God who created the universe, the one who came to die on the cross for your sin? Are you opening his word to you and hearing what he has to say to you? Or has our heart been too closed? Has our, have we been shut off to the things of God? I want to say to you this morning, if you can identify that you have been closed to God I want to encourage you this morning that we need to repent. In that moment, we need to turn around. We need to turn away from living for ourselves and say, God, I am sorry. God, I'm sorry for these things. Help me, God, to follow you. Help me lay down my desires. Help me to follow you. You know, God blesses faithfulness. God blesses faithfulness. I think for some people, you've been faithful and you've been faithful and you've been faithful and you've seen other people get promotions, you've seen other people get things, but God's blessing is for you who are faithful to him. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, but faithfulness is blessed. If we're faithful with little, God's word, he says, it will be faithful with much. God help us to be faithful. 
You know, as soon as we start chapter 2, we see some big contrasts with chapter 1 in the book of Ruth. In chapter 1, we see a man and his family, Elimelech and Naomi, uh, they're in famine and they go as refugees to a distant land of Moab. But chapter 2, it starts with a wealthy, influential man named Boaz. Chapter 1, it's a family in famine. Chapter 2, it's a wealthy and influential man who we discover is a connection to Naomi's family. In chapter 2, we see a decision that's made. And this time, unlike in chapter 1, when they choose to go to Moab and it ends up the husband dies, the sons die, Ruth's husband dies. This time in chapter 2, when, they, when, when Ruth makes that choice to go out in the field, we see Ruth found herself working in a field that belongs to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law. In the book of Ruth, we see that God can use all people. He can use the poorest of the poor. He can use the, the, the richest of the rich. Whether we're influential or we feel like a nobody. And I want to point out there are no nobodies in the kingdom of God. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus died on the cross for, for you. He, he did the same thing for you as he did the same thing for everyone else. There is no nobodies in the kingdom of God. You've been bought by the, the price of his own blood. He loves you so much. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is our willingness to turn and live for God's glory and not our own. What benefit was it to Boaz to let Ruth go out and collect the, the grain in the field? He could have asked the harvesters to go back and make sure they got all the bits they'd missed and, and could have sold that extra bit of grain and, you know, he might have been able to buy a bigger house. He might have got a fancier car, I mean horse or donkey, whatever he rode, maybe a bike. Did they have bikes back then? Poor people if they didn't. But you know, Boaz honoured God. Boaz chose to obey God's word. And Boaz saw a person. He saw Ruth, a woman created in the image of God, this woman who was in need and showed the love of God to her. Church, I want to ask us today, how do we see people? How do we see people? I think at this time in history, at this particular moment in history, possibly more than ever before, I feel like we're being pressured into a tribalistic society where are you for us or are you against us? And if you're not for us, you're against us, so we're going to fight you. Whether it be global warming, whether it be LGBT stuff, whether it be women's rights, gender equality, vaccinations, you can go on and list as many things as you want to list. There is a pressure to conform. There's a pressure to conform to the pattern of this world. There's a pressure to make individuals, there's a pressure to make organisations make public statements affirming that they belong to the tribe. That they're, they're doing what's seen to be right by the, the, the tribe. And if you don't, you're shamed and you're shunned. 
I think of Israel Folau, who, who made his own statement about what he believed, and he was shunned. He was shamed. But church, I want to ask this morning, are we being different? How do we treat those, how do we speak about those we disagree with? I hope we speak differently to the world. I hope we treat them differently to those who disagree with us and maybe criticise and ridicule us. David spoke a great word a couple of weeks ago about being different. We choose to be different. You know, I love reading through the book of Acts. A few years ago when we did a series on Paul, um, I just sent, spent so much time reading about Paul's life and looking through the book of Acts. And I love it in Acts chapter 26 when Paul is um, or he's been imprisoned and he gets to testify before the Roman king, King Agrippa, Herod Agrippa. And Paul speaks to King Agrippa with such respect. He's a Roman king. He's, he's not a person following God at all. But Paul speaks with such respect. And I think there's a, a, a pattern for us to follow there, that we are to treat those who disagree with us with respect. That we are still to love our enemies. Those who persecute us, we are called to bless them. We are called to love them and not criticize and tear them apart and, and, and just pay them back evil for evil. We're called to love our enemies. Boaz saw a person created in the image of God. She may have looked different. She was from a different place. She may have spoken different. I'm not sure if the Moabites, what language they spoke, to be honest. But Boaz chose to show the love of God. Church, let's choose to see people with the love of God. Last week we saw Naomi go through her Moab experience and she felt totally empty. But we saw that God is greater than our circumstance. God is greater than whatever we're going through. Today we see just as God can use Ruth, just as God can use Boaz, God can use you. Whatever your background, wherever you're from, whatever you've been doing up until now, anyone who comes to him, he can use. I just want to finish with three things. If we want to be used by God, here's three suggestions for you. If you want to be used by God, if you want to do God's will in your life, here's three things that we can Concentrate on trying to do day by day. Number one, surrender. Surrender your desires to him. Not just once off, but day by day by day by day, by moment by moment by hour by minute. I don't know about you, but sometimes my desires uh, for selfish things go up and down. Like in the morning you get up and you think, oh, what a glorious day. I'm going to go out and love the world. I'm going to do great things for God. And by lunchtime you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to sit here and eat chocolate. Our emotions can be up and down like roller coasters, but let's choose to surrender to God. Let's choose to surrender our desires to Him every single day. You know, there's been times in my life when I'm praying about things and I think we need to surrender the desires that we have, good, bad, whatever, 
And sometimes God will say, you know, that, that desire you're surrendering, I want you to have it. I want you to go that way. That, I've, I've called you to do that thing. It's a desire that I've given you. Go and do it, Andrew. But there's other desires that we have that we, as we surrender, he says, yeah, I don't want you to go that way. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing for that person, but this isn't for you. And sometimes we have to surrender and let it be cut off, like Jess was talking about earlier. We need to let that thing be sacrificed for God's glory. Let's choose to surrender. Number two, let's see people with the love of God. No matter who they are, no matter what their opinions are about this, that, or the other thing, let's choose to see people with the love of God. If we can do that, we will be a light for the world to see. Let's see people with the love of God. Number three, let's keep listening. Let's keep listening, listening to God every single day. You know, in a moment, God transforms us. He, he, he takes our sinful lives and he makes us into new creations the moment we put our trust in him. The old is gone, the new has come. There's a moment of salvation that we are justified by faith. It becomes just as if I'd never sinned. And that happens in a moment when we surrender our life to God. But he has a lifetime of work to do in us. Has anyone noticed that? <laughs> I have. The process of sanctification takes a lifetime. God is working in us. He's changing us. He's molding us. He's wanting to grow us more and more into the image of Christ. And it takes a lifetime. If you think about your life like a drink bottle, that's a really strange analogy maybe, but if you think of your life as this drink bottle, and I haven't practiced this for the screen, so those guys watching at home this morning, I love um, props when I preach. I hope you can see this okay. You know, in a moment, God opens our eyes to see who we are in his sight. In a moment, God, or maybe it's over a period of time, God reveals to us our sinfulness. He, he reveals to us our need for a saviour. But the moment we trust in him, the moment we turn to him and, and come to him for salvation, we are changed. We are forever changed. Our name is written in the book of life. And we're not just given a coat of paint. We are changed. And I want to swap it out with it. If you can see on the screen, hang on, I've got to make sure we, over here you can see that better. So we were this one, and suddenly God changes us. And we're a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. And you can't quite see. This is a, a, a clear drink bottle. This is a different drink bottle. This one was black, but this one is clear. We are a new creation in Christ. But there's still some stuff inside of us that isn't quite what God wants. Anyone else felt that? Felt that tension between the old nature and the, the new nature? But God wants to continue to work in us. But sometimes we keep the lid on. We have the lid on and, and God wants to pour his spirit into us. He wants to fill us up. He wants to change us. He wants to work in us. But the lid's on. Our, our mind is too full. We're too busy. We, we don't make space for God. Our, our heart is too full, a little bit like those Jewish believers. And what God wants to do in us, we don't allow him to do. 
And I want to say that's a dangerous place to be in. But you know, there's times when we begin to open ourselves up, and sometimes it's through things that aren't so pleasant that we just begin to get poured out. And as we get poured out, it's not always a pleasant experience. But then God begins to fill us again. And we go through trials, we go through challenges, and God pours us out. I'm going to try and make sure I don't spill this. We get poured out, and, and, and God is emptying out what we maybe even felt like was good. And it, it can be painful. It can be very painful as we get poured out. Like Naomi was just poured out in that experience going to Moab. And we can feel totally empty. We can feel totally broken and like we've got nothing left. But we are still a new creation in Christ. We're still his child. You know that verse we looked at last week in Romans 8, 28? It's for, for God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. God's plan is that we would open ourselves to him and in our emptiness, in our brokenness, we would cry out to him and that he would begin to fill us. God wants to fill us. Actually, I'm going to just take the lid right off because that might make less mess. We want to open our lives totally open wide to God. God wants to fill us. And he wants to fill us. And as we cry out to him in our brokenness, in our emptiness, he wants to fill us with something greater. He wants to fill us with his spirit day by day. He wants to fill us to overflowing. Well, this could be fun. Here we go. Overflowing, running over, pressed down, shaken together. Whoop. In our brokenness, in our emptiness, through the painful things that we go through, God is working that we would cry out to him and be changed. That we would be changed from that, that horrible, dark, yucky, black, murky... Bleh. To something that's different, that's something that's transformed, that's something that is different to the world, that we see people with love and not with selfishness and greed and pride like we used to see. And you know, if I'm really honest, I don't think God wants us to be a drink bottle at all. And you go like, oh, duh, I knew that. <laughs> but I think a better analogy, you know, Jesus was pierced on the cross. Jesus was pierced, his body was broken. And we are called to be followers of Christ. And at times it feels like we're being pierced and we get broken by the world around us. But in our brokenness, we can flow God's blessings into other people's lives. And I think a watering can would be such a better analogy. I didn't bring one because I didn't want to make too big a mess. But in our brokenness, as you just imagine that bottle with, with pierced holes all around it, that we would be like a watering can for the, for the glory of God. We're not called to be a vessel just to, to know the love of God, but to, but to be a channel for God's blessing, for his love to flow through into the lives of others. You know what? Has anyone ever had a drink bottle? I often have a drink bottle sitting on my bike, and I'll go outside, and I'll go for a ride, and I'll have a drink and go, that was disgusting. You know, I put fresh water in there three weeks ago. We're not called to be drink bottles that just hold the knowledge of God. We're called to be a, a channel for God to daily pour into us his new wine, to, to fill us afresh with his spirit, to fill us afresh the words of his spirit, 
that we would flow and be a fresh spring of his love and his life to the world around us. I'm going to ask the band to come and I just want to pray. For those of us who feel broken, for those of us who feel empty, for those of us who are just feeling blessed at the moment, just as the band comes and begins to play, I just want to encourage you just to open yourself to God and say, God, speak to me. Maybe you want to just lift your hands and surrender even and say, God, help me open my heart. Maybe there's been things happening in your life and you just know you, you still know God's there, you still know he loves you, but you just feel so, so hard to his word. And God, right now, I just pray for every single one of us. That God, even though things in our life might have happened, we've been through painful experience, we're even in painful experiences, God. That you would just help us to open ourselves to you. Lord, point out the things inside of us that are just, just wrong. The selfish attitudes. Lord, where we've not loved those around us. God, we want to say we're sorry. God, help us to surrender. Help us to listen. Help us to see the world around us with your love. Thank you, Jesus, that you did not spare even your own life. You gave it up so that we could be forgiven, that we could have eternal life. God, I just pray for us as a church that we would rise up that we would live our lives, not just for our blessing, but to help others in this world know your love, to help others come to you, that they might know your love, they might have revelation of who you are, and they might know your spirit living inside of them. Fall afresh on us, we pray. Fill us afresh today, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just sing this song right now. Just as we ask God to speak to our hearts as we surrender.